0: We're in Philippians chapter four, Philippians chapter four. We're kinda coming to the tail end of our study in, in, in the book of Philippians. We took verses, uh, re, you know, really verses four through nine as a group and we didn't, we didn't have time to cover verse nine so we'll be Lord willing doing that today. So let's just review a little bit as we get into it. Uh, we saw the context of everything that we're seeing in chapter four. Therefore, verse one starts, therefore. So the context of the commands that we see in chapter four, right, the commands, the instruction, all of this is to be carried out in light of what we saw in chapter three, a a resurrection perspective. And we saw that in verses 17 through 21. Uh, And when you know that you are facing resurrection, we shall be like him when we see the victory that we have in the person of Jesus Christ. When you see that, when you get that, when you believe that, you're unstoppable. Knowing what's coming can give you, it'll strengthen you to work through anything, to deal with anything. You can endure anything. You can even endure it when brothers and sisters get into it, right? You can even endure Yodius and Syntyche when they're stirring up drama. Uh, we saw in verses two and three that when it's all about you, right? Self always comes second to the mind of the Lord. Uh, when it's about you, you gotta, you gotta subordinate that. Who I am and what I want, what I think I deserve comes second to the mind of Christ. And so we're gonna help biblically. Our job is to help one another stay accountable to that. And so in the example of Yodius and, uh, and Syntyche, they had a personal conflict that ended up sweeping the whole church into the drama, got the whole church sidelined. And so remember this, okay, anytime, right, when ministry is on the line, Satan's gonna make sure that you absolutely see where your rights are being violated, where you don't get what you deserve, where you, man, who you are and what you think you deserve should never come before the work of the Lord. And yet Satan will make sure that it's all about you. Your rights got violated. And so you get upset because you're not willing to be wronged. And brothers and sisters, if we could just get that, if we would just be willing to be wronged, if we'd just be willing to take the wrong, so much drama in the church today would be just washed away, it would be wiped out. See, the problem with drama is it spreads. The problem with drama, if you you elevate your personal drama, it, it, it ends up sweeping up others into it. It ends up corrupting others, and people get divided and Satan's laughing at us over our ignorance and stupidity. So we saw the need to have a right focus last time. That was our first point for study in verse four. We needed a right focus, we needed right thinking, and we needed right actions. Actions is what we'll see today. And if you got a right focus, that just takes the wind out of the sails of the drama ship. See, the focus of those around you end up on your frustrations instead of on everything that you have to rejoice in the Lord over. it's what we saw in chapter three, the victory that we have when Christ comes for his church. You know, you're either gonna see those promises, you're gonna see how life or God's people or your circumstances are ripping you off and you have a choice. Are you gonna get bitter or are you gonna get better? Are you gonna get grumpy and grouchy or are you gonna get joyful? Or are you gonna get full of the joy of the Lord? And so it's command, verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. And we saw that we have so much to rejoice in the Lord over. And at the end of the day, there's so many things that we could look at and say we have rejoicing in the Lord. But at the end of the day, we know the Creator is ours. And if that can't get you full of joy, then you don't know your Bible or you don't believe your Bible. The creator of heaven and earth is mine and I am his. How can we not have unspeakable joy? And a joyful focus produces two things in our life. Verse five, we see moderation and verse six, dependence. Verse five says, let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. So if you're moderate, right, your temperate response to your circumstances, that produces in your life a right testimony because you know that God is enough. Right, because I have Christ in my life, because I know how all of this ends, I can face the drama of today with some steadfastness. I can face the drama of today with some peace, with some joy, so it produces a right testimony because my God is enough, but also it makes me dependent upon the Lord. Verse six says, be careful. Don't worry about anything. Don't be a worrywart. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So that's the decision point that we saw last time. Are you gonna stop doubting God and trust that just once and for all that he has the circumstances of your life under control? Do you believe God or are you full of care? Are you full of worry? And then we saw that a right focus manifests itself now in two ways. We're gonna think right and we're gonna act right. And so verse eight, right thoughts. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So in other words, think with, I mean, what are the true, honest, just, pure, lovely, things of good report, things of praise, things of virtue, what are those things? Well, we're talking about a biblically-based thought life. If you're thinking with a word-based transformed mind, right, a transformed thought life, then any scenario you face, your automatic response is, well, what does the Bible say about that? I want to think the way the Word of God instructs. I want to think the way that God's Word describes what should be true over my life. That's how I want to think. So this is kind of where we finished up last time. You get to decide, up front, what your mind is used for thinking about. You say, I I can't help it, I keep thinking wrong thoughts. Keep focusing your mind on the mind of Christ. Train your mind. So you get a mind that's trained right, right? It's trained to think right when you exercise it. And so if you just, if you go through life letting your mind free will all the time, letting your mind just think what it wants to think, well, you're gonna end up distracted. You're not gonna be joyful, right? You're not gonna show moderate temperance. You're not gonna show contentment you're gonna be full of worry. So what you do, I remember this when I was 12 years old, I I went through, and this is common with children, I'm thinking horrible things. I mean, I can't stop thinking horrible things. As a matter of fact, uh, it was pretty rough, gross swear words that I'm thinking vulgarities, and it freaked me out. Why why does this just keep popping into my mind? And uh, I went to my mom and I and, uh, was a little weepy about it. I'm like, I'm thinking really wickedly and I can't stop. And I try to stop, but I can't. She says, oh, son, stop worrying about that. Don't even worry about that. What you need to do is when you catch yourself thinking that way, just start singing praise songs, start reciting your memory verses, start thinking about how good God is to you. In other words, stop trying to quit thinking Just stop trying to quit thinking the wrong stuff. Just put your focus on the right stuff. And and there was like a kernel of wisdom in what mom had told me in those early days of my life, my walk with God. Uh, She was instructing me to put my mind, to focus my mind on the renewed mind, on the mind of Christ, on the Word of God. And as I began to train myself to do that, all of a sudden, right, the Word of God crowded out the mind of man And uh, I had victory, not because I stopped thinking wickedly, it's because I decided to think biblically. Do you see the difference? And that was a game changer for me. Uh, That absolutely changed my life. So every day, just start thinking, start exercising how you're gonna use your mental capacity for just pure contemplation of the word of God. Spend time every day thinking about how wonderful God is from his word. This is why your daily quiet time is so critical. What are the things of virtue, of praise, that you can give glory to God over? What can you praise God over, right? If the work of God is in my life, and I see it because of what the word of God says over my life, well, I wanna think about that. I wanna give God praise over that. And then, how does it grow from there? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses three through six says, yeah, we walk, I mean, admittedly, we're in the flesh, But the battle, the key to the battle is not in the flesh, okay, we don't war after the flesh. Now watch this, verse four says, for the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, they're not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So I have the ability to see anything that I'm thinking about and say, you know what, that's not biblical. That's not biblical. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna bring that thought captive to the thoughts of Christ. What does the Bible say about what I'm thinking or about what I'm saying or about what I'm contemplating? In our LFBI counseling class, we're seeing, uh, the students are learning that it's our thoughts that determine our attitudes. How we think, as a man thinketh in his heart, right? so is he. So it's how we think that determines our attitudes and then we're seeing that our attitudes are what produce our actions. So what Paul's telling us to do is to think right and if we'll think right, well then we'll do right and if you don't think right, well then you won't do right. Even Freud, right, a godless psychologist who had an ax to grind against biblical Christianity he even got that right, he says the thought is the action and rehearsal. Thought is action and rehearsal. So what are you thinking? Well, whatever you see, that's what you're thinking. So the key is focus biblically so that you can think biblically. And if you begin thinking biblically, now your attitudes, you start siding with Jesus. Right, your, your reaction when life comes at you like a spider monkey is, whoa, 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 what does the Bible say about this? So you start, your attitudes now are biblical and now your thoughts are producing right actions in your life. So what Paul's telling us to do is to prioritize now our thought life so that what comes out of our life will prioritize the mission of God, tactically. And uh, we'll see this, the response is in the giving of the church in verses 10 and following. Uh, This is a church, the church at Philippi is a church that thinks biblically and so they sacrifice biblically. And that money is given in their response, right? They see their need to tactically prioritize the mission of God and so they respond in kind. You know, if you have a hard time doing what's right, it's because you haven't spent any time thinking what's right. And did you know that if you don't plan your time, how you're gonna use your time, if you don't plan how you're gonna live your life, if you don't decide up front what your mind is gonna be used to think about, well, you've made a great opportunity for Satan to enter in and sow confusion in your mind and in your heart. I mean, if the idle mind is Satan's workshop, then guess what your hands are? Those are his tools. And so what are your hands being used for? What's in your hands? Is it the word of God or is it nothing? Are you pursuing the mission of God tactically or are you just all about living your life the best way you can for yourself? Well then rest assured, your hands will find trouble. Your doing will not match scripture. And so this brings us to verse nine where we see right actions, right actions. We want to take Satan's tools away from him and tactically we want to support the mission. So verse nine, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, do them. And the God of peace shall be with you. Father, just right now we ask in the name of Jesus that you'd open up our understanding, that Lord, you'd help us to see the truth of your word, to submit our lives to it. You are the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, I thank you that in salvation, it's just by grace through faith. And yet, Lord, you give us the opportunity as believers in Jesus Christ to take up our cross and to follow you and to have the privilege of entering into the fellowship of your suffering. And so, Lord, this morning I pray that you would use our time in verse 9 to inform our thinking, to make us biblicists, uh, to help us to see that You're worthy that we'd take the whole of our life and to lay it on the altar of sacrifice and service to you. Lord, help us to see that you're worthy of all worship and all honor and all praise. Father, there is no God like you. You're a good father. You have been nothing but good to us. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. Lord, today we do lift up brothers and sisters all over the world who suffer. Lord, you see the suffering of your saints and how the persecution of the church is at one of the all-time highs in history. We have brothers and sisters, uh, particularly in Africa, who are being murdered for their faith. And, and Lord, we pray your, your grace, your peace, your comfort. We also pray for wisdom from civil authority. Uh, Lord, you call them the ministers of righteousness, and whenever the, the wicked are in command, what will the righteous do? Lord your name is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are saved and so God, we lift them up to you and say God would you save them? Would you protect them? And yet Lord at the same time, uh, thank you. Uh, Thank you for the points of persecution that galvanize your church and Lord uh, if history has shown us anything, it's during the times of persecution that the gospel has most greatly spread and so Lord, out of all of it, we pray that souls would come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for our nation as we face an election this week. And uh, Lord, I I know I'm I'm pessimistic that no matter who wins the White House, our nation potentially is more divided than ever. And, And so God, we pray for kings and for all that are in authority from our president, all the way down to our mayor, our city council members. Lord, would you so work in our government that Lord, we can live a quiet and peaceable life. Lord, we want the freedom and the latitude to win souls and to make disciples and to see ministry multiply around the world. And so God, would you help us by working in and through this electoral process to give us a quiet and peaceable life and, uh, Lord, we expect a season of riots, and, and uh, we, accept, we, we, we see what's happening in our nation. And, and, Lord, we just ask that you would help us to introduce people to the Prince of Peace. Uh, Lord, we want to win souls. We want to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, we recognize that ultimately our trust is not in men. It's not in human government. Father, our trust is in you. And so, again, with the Apostle John, we pray Lord Jesus, come quickly. We love you, Lord. We praise you all in Christ's name, amen. Those things which you both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, do. That's the key word. And the God of peace shall be with you. Okay, well what things? What things did they see and learn and receive and hear? Right, what were those things? Well, what they learned and heard was the doctrine. The word of God, they learned sound doctrine. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me. Paul says, Tim, I taught you right, so stick to what I taught you. We live in a day and an age where people who just 10 years ago would teach sound doctrine and today say doctrine doesn't matter. Well, I got news for you, doctrine's a big deal to God, so it needs to be a big deal to you hold fast to the form of sound words which thou has heard of me. This is why it's so critical that we learn doctrine in the structure of the local church. Uh, Why do I say that? Well, because it's biblical. Read Ephesians chapter four. It's in the context of the local church. Now you may think that you're seeing some new or some peculiar doctrine. Well, if you can't convince all of us that what you're teaching or what you're seeing is biblical, then guess what? It doesn't matter that much. So you're not gonna make that your hobby horse. You're not gonna make that a point of division in this local church. The things that are critical concerning sound doctrine, we ought to all be able to see them, right? Well, I'm an Einstein and you're a bunch of morons. Well, go be awesome somewhere else, okay? If it's important, we're gonna trust the Lord to show us, amen? So Paul is saying, you listen to what I told you. Don't go listen to Alexander Alexander the coppersmith. Don't go listening to Hymenaeus. Don't go listening to those other guys. What you heard from me, you stick to that. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. So are you getting what God has for you here? I got news for you, you're not if you're not plugged in. Be a part of the whole of who we are as a church. Plug into a Sunday fellowship. Be part of our worship services. Trust the Lord to join us on Tuesday night in our corporate prayer ministry meetings. If you can't, if work's got you messed up there and you're able to join us for lunch from 11 to 12, uh, what we have for lunch is some good food. We get in, uh, spend a little time in the Word and we have our staff prayer meeting on Wednesdays from 11 to 12. You're welcome to join that prayer meeting Plug into a Sunday fellowship. Join a Bible study. Plug into the discipleship path of growth. Where are you at on the path to growth? Have you been discipled? Yeah, I've been discipled. Have you gone through D2? Are you learning how to help us disciple other people? Are you learning your Bible from cover to cover? Join us in LFBI. Learn the word of God for yourself. You say, well, I already know it. Join LFBI and we will surprise you with all of the things that you've forgotten or that you thought you know that weren't in the Bible or the things that you should know that are there and you just never considered them. You wanna learn so that you can hold fast the form of sound words. You need sound doctrine. And then what are the things that they received? What did they see? Well, that was a a life in Christ. Are you born again? If you're born again, are you engaged in the work of leading others to Christ? Uh, Paul, in his letter to the church of Corinth, follows the same formula with them that we're seeing here in Philippians 3 and 4. At the end of chapter three, it was in light of the resurrection, in light of the fact that our vile bodies will be fashioned like unto his glorious body. In light of those promises, what do we see in chapter four? Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And that's 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, in light of the rapture and the resurrection, My beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It matters to God. It needs to matter to us. And so that leads us to the things that they heard and had seen in Paul. Well, that was a disciple's lifestyle and a discipler's lifestyle. We saw this in chapter 3, verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk, so as you have us, for an example. Um, Birds of a feather flock together, so be careful who you flock with, because that's the kind of bird you'll end up being. If you flock with a bunch of chickens, guess what you're gonna end up being? You're gonna be a chicken, but if you spend time flying with the eagles, guess what? It's because you're an eagle, and so, Paul says, mark those who prioritize the mission over living for themselves, walk, who walk as I walk and others like us. Roll with people that want to matter for Christ. Hang with them. He said it to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 11, verse one. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So the things, right, that you've gotten from me, what do you do with those? Well, you do them. This word do literally means practice, but it it could be translated as practice, but practice isn't sufficient. Uh, Practice, okay, so if it was practice, I mean, that that, that could still be accurate, but it wouldn't convey the whole of the word, okay? It's do. Don't just attempt follow through, okay? Do them. Don't just say, I'm gonna get around to it one day. Right, I'm gonna do it. No, set your purpose in motion, do it. So how did Paul live his life? Well, when he met Jesus, what was the first response? What was the first thing that he did? Acts chapter nine, verse six, Paul meets Jesus, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to believe, think about, ponder, what wilt thou have me to do? That was the question. And the Lord told him what to do. Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou, what? Must do. So what did Paul do? He went and submitted as a disciple. And so get this down in your notes. If they're, hopefully they're there, but if they're not, get them down in your notes. Disciples do what they're told. Do you see that? Acts 9, 6. And it will be told thee what thou must do that discipler's lifestyle, uh, we do what we're told. We do what the book says. Disciples do what they're told, but they also grow in the word so that they can tell others. And that's exactly what Paul did. He spent 14 years on the backside of the desert getting the doctrine right, getting his Bible down, growing in the word so that he could tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. And so Paul glorified God with his life. So that's the question on the floor this morning. Who are you preaching to? Who are you praying over? What are you trusting God for? What are you doing with your salvation? What are you doing with the word of God over your life? I want you to notice one more thing about Paul. We saw this in our study in 2 Thessalonians. Paul understood a very key principle for the life of a steward in 2 Thessalonians 3:7. He, verses seven through 13, describes how he rolled this way. He says, For yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor. So we didn't, dis, we didn't behave disorderly. We worked. We wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have power, but to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. You need to do what we're doing, what we're showing you. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any should not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Verse 13, but ye, brethren, Be not weary. Don't give up, don't get tired. Be not weary in well-doing. So that gives us a great key in examining the life of the disciple, okay? What they receive, right? What they're told they do. So God designed you to do what? To work. God designed you to live a life of construction. Construction is your next blank. So Paul worked, Paul worked. And he understood the need that he had to labor in life to do the work that God had for him. He worked, man. I mean, Paul didn't just work in giving the gospel, but he built tents. He spent his life building both tents and men. He spent his life working, paying the bills and building the church. That's how God invests. That's how Paul invested his life in Christ. Paul worked to grow the groceries and feed out the word of God. So how about you? I mean, is your life invested in work? How do you spend your days? Are you, spend, are you spending it laboring so that your needs are supplied, are you spending it laboring so that the needs of the church are supplied? See, whenever I work, that generates an income. So that it not only provides for what I need, but it also provides for the needs of the church. I'm actually able to give out of everything that God gives me and trusts to me, I'm able to invest that into the work of the Lord. More than that, out of everything that God gives me in his word, I'm able to take of that and invest that in the body of Christ. God designed us to work. If you're not working, you're wasting. You're wasting. Let me give you an example. Why is it that more than half, more than half, and, and depending on the studies that you look at, uh, some of them say it's a lot worse. So we'll just be conservative. Why is it that more than half in the church today wrestle with internet porn? Uh, some of the guys might say, well, idiot, dummy. I mean, I like the way women look. Well, yeah, that's how you're hardwired. You know how a guy, God wired up a guy? He's a sighthound, right? You're supposed to like how women look. So when you see a pretty girl, suddenly you become interested in everything about her. Uh, you may not have cared what the last gal think, but you're absolutely mesmerized by everything that this pretty girl says. Even if she's not a big thinker, she is to you. Mean people suck. Oh, wow, that's fascinating. You know, I never really thought about what you're saying, but wow, I love a woman with a deep social grasp. That's, that's amazing. Okay. Ladies, I'm not describing any of our gals here at MBT, so, so, so stay calm, okay? I'm, 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 we're actually dumping on the guys right now. See, I'm talking about how you end up, I'm not talking about the fact that you like the way a woman looks, I'm talking about the fact that you view them as meat. How did that happen? How did you end up viewing them as objects? Why do you spend hours of your life on the internet viewing women as objects, as meat? Do you know why you end up fornicating in any relationship you pursue? How did that happen? Why does that happen? Well, maybe you have intimacy issues. Maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your parents. Maybe you have acceptance issues. And those are the kind of things that need to be worked out with the mind of Christ. Uh, so, so if it's an intimacy, intimacy issue that you're wrestling with, I wanna invite you to develop some intimate relationships with some brothers in Christ. Develop some intimate relationships with us in ministry, right? Get accountable with some brothers. Get accountable with some sisters. Build real connections. But let me tell you what's at the root in so many cases. I want you to think about it this way. Did you ever stop to think that one of the reasons you have this problem, it's because you're lazy? Did you ever think about that? Because you haven't really decided to be a man and build your life I mean, you look at Adam in the garden and what was God's judgment on Adam's sin. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17, God says to Adam, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it, because you rebelled against my word. I gave you a work to do, and you didn't do that. You rebelled against me. Watch this now. Here's the curse. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. It's very interesting to me, get this down in your notes, that even in the curse, right, God's curse over sin, we find part of the solution in dealing with sin. Have you ever seen that? God commands him as he curses him. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. And so ladies, if you're looking for a real man, here's the mark of a real man. They toil and sweat for their livelihood. You say, that's a really long blank to fill out. Why are you making me work so hard? Well, I worked hard putting this together so you can help. Yeah. Sweat a little bit, taking notes, okay. The marks of a real man is they toil and they sweat for their livelihood. You say, well, I work in an office. That's fine, just make sure you work out. Make sure that you're working when you're clocked in. And when you fill your life with constructive things, then you don't have time for stupidity. So look at your life. If your life is full of spare time, then guess what? You're working a plan to be a loser. If your life is all about your spare time, well, then you're wasting your life. I like how Alan phrased it for women back in the day when I was in the college and career ministry under Pastor Shelby and he'd say it this way. Ladies, if he ain't making no money, forget the honey. I mean, that's just good wisdom right there. Because no woman in her right mind wants to be married to a bum. Boys, did you get that? Nobody in their right mind wants to be married to a bum. So get a job, get in ministry, follow God's example and order your life for construction. What are you building with your life? Men, don't you know God made us to be builders? He made us to invest. So learn the book and then build it in others. Learn how to teach others in it. Get a second job if that's what you need to do so you can save money and go with us to Boston, Why? Right? We need to go help plant a church in Boston. You need to do that anyway. So if you gotta get a job, well here let me just give you a few tips. Here's some things not to put on a job app. Right? Don't if you're looking for a job, don't 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 do this. These are common mistakes. Don't say I regret to have no references. Unfortunately, every company I've worked for has since closed down. You don't want to put that on a job app. Don't do that. Don't put on a job app. I've figured out where you live. Uh, you know, threats don't work. Don't put on any job app. Right. Any sentence beginning with, I was recently acquitted of, don't, don't do that. Don't put happy faces and doodles on your job application. That's not gonna go over well. Here's the bottom line, okay? Fill your life with construction. What are you building in your life, both spiritually and physically? And at the end of the day, you will be too righteously tired to spend all your night on the internet. You won't be able to stay awake for that. You won't have time or energy for stupid things. Now again, I know there are other issues in this example of internet pornography. There are, other, there, are other, there are other factors that contribute to that. But I'm just telling you, in so many cases, this is one component of it. It's when men are lazy. Let me give you another right action that Paul gives us. And it's the need for accountability. Accountability is your next blank. So Paul, he was very involved in the life of the church at Philippi. And they had built-in accountability to Paul as their disciple through that relationship. He says in verse nine, those things which you both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, okay? It's your connection to me that's producing the accountability. So that would be the question this morning. Are you plugged in here? Are you in relationship with us here? Are you plugged in so much so that when you start filling your life with stupidity, you've got brothers and sisters that start calling you out. I don't like how people are involved in my business. Well, it's because your business stinks and they're telling you, dude, this is starting to stink. Come on, come back and, and help haul the water with us. Come on and help us with the work. So get this down in your notes. Get involved with us in building the Bride of Christ at 40th and Walnut. Get involved with us in building this church and that will give you built-in accountability. It's the people that you work with shoulder to shoulder, side by side, that know you. Have you ever noticed that? It's the people that you spend time in the word of God with that you're like-minded with. And if you start to mind other things, they will smell that on you faster than if you had gone for a week without a shower. Sean, something stinks. What's going on, brother? You know, I mean, like you want people that close to you because now there's built-in accountability. If you're by yourself, well, you don't ever have to take a shower, do you? You can just stink all you want. No one's the wiser. Uh, Get involved with people that builds in accountability. Mark it down, man. You know how you get messed up in sin? You know how you end up with a life of peaceless turmoil. It's always the same. You start with the wrong focus, your life becomes, your thought life becomes drift, it becomes unclean, and then you start living in a wrong way. Think about that. Think about our current crisis. Think if the Apostle Paul was alive today. Do you think he'd be hiding at home because of COVID? I mean, just, it's a good, it's a good thing to think about. Would Paul be hiding at home because of COVID? Uh, you know, how, how Paul rolled was how he ended up in prison because he kept moving forward when he was told to stay home and shut up. We picked the book of Philippians because we, we, we recognize right, when we were doing online church only in March, um, man, we need to have joy in the midst of quarantine. But don't stay on the chain, right? Don't willingly stay on the chain. If you're free, do. Uh, we have a lady that joined our church, Jana. She's an elderly saint, and, and her testimony is she's coming, COVID or not. I mean, live or die, she's in. Now, I'm not saying this to say everybody ought to attend. I'm not saying that. If you're in a position where, it's a stewardship issue. If you're thinking, look, if I come and I get COVID, that's it for me. Well, okay, as a steward, you gotta work that out before the Lord. So I'm not saying you're not right with God if you're not attending live, you're attending online only. But as a steward, you gotta work that out. What is the Lord having you to do with your life? Uh, Mark it down, there's no way Paul would be sheltering in place, would he? Uh, He would be working the ministry, and so find a way to do that, even if you are sheltering in place. Find a way to work the ministry. What we're seeing here in, in chapter four is a call to get our focus right. A mind that's in sync with Christ's mind, and then that's a mind of rejoicing in peace. Prove, I dare you to prove I'm a liar on that. See, a right thought life, a, right, a life of right actions, a, a life of right action results in the God of peace. And the God of peace shall be with you. And that's the gauge. That's what God is using to feed back to you so that you know how you're rolling, how you're living. And do you, this morning, have peace knowing that the God of peace is with you in what you're doing with your life? See, God gave you his word. Right, he gave you his knowledge, 1 Peter 1 verse 2. He gave you the things that pertain unto life and godliness. God gave you his word through the knowledge of him that called you to glory and virtue. Verse four says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. God wants you to live the life he designed for you and that's a life that produces peace. This morning can you say that you know you're living the life that God called you to? You know what God's gonna do with you? You wanna know that God's with you in what you're doing? Make sure you're with him in his mission for your life. People today have a 100 reasons for why they can't do what God clearly told them to do. I'm too young, I'm too dumb, I'm too old, I'm failed. I messed up too much, I'm busy, I'm hurting, I'm disappointed, I'm so FOS, full of self. You thought I was gonna say something else. Well, maybe that's right too, I don't know. Remember what we saw in chapter three, verse 17? Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as you have us, for an example, for many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, they're not doing right. They're the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Come on, do you think the God of peace is with them in that? Nobody at the end of their life is singing, I did it my way, and dying in perfect peace. So join with us, right? Join in God's mission with us here. Help us make some disciples. Plug in and be a part. Be a part of what God is doing in this place. I'd like us to bow our heads and humble ourselves. We're gonna close. Is there anyone that would say, Pastor, I'm recognizing I've got a decision to make this morning. Uh, I don't enjoy the peace of God over my life because I know my life is not in the center of God's will. I know what the word of God says and I've not submitted to its call over my life. Pastor, would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that here this morning? Please, please pray for me. I'm not walking with God as I ought. The God of peace is not with me in what I'm doing. Would you, would you please pray for me, Pastor? Is there anybody like that? Is there anyone that would say, Pastor, pray for me? I'm not even sure that I've got a relationship with God. I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I've been born again. Would you please pray for me? Is there anybody like that here this morning? All right, eight o'clock service. Everybody's walking with God. Everybody's enjoying the God of Peace with them and what they're doing. I'm just going to pray for God's blessing over your life, and then we'll dismiss. We're out of time, so we'll we'll keep an atmosphere of praise and worship. One thing I'd ask that you would be praying about is we're working on a contract to rent the theater across the street, and if we can get that, that will enable us to get back to a two-service schedule. And so, would you pray about that? That would be a Uh, a huge blessing to be able to get back to the old schedule uh, we should know in a few days. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for our time in our word, in your word. Lord, help us to perform the doing of all that you've called us to. Thank you for your word that we don't have to guess, we don't have to wonder about your will over our lives. And Lord, I just pray your blessing over my brothers and sisters in the performing, the doing, the submitting, the following, the living of Your Word. Lord, we need You with us in what we're doing. We need that peace that passes all understanding, and so we trust You for it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.